came here for two reasons. One, to tell you a few Cajun stories, to make you laugh because I don't believe people laugh enough. And the other, if I have a serious thought, to talk to you seriously for just a few moments. I doubt seriously if I have a serious thought today because it's Saturday. And Saturday night is my night. I notice a few people who are outlanders to me and they may not know what a Cajun is, so I better explain just what one is. About 204 years ago, in a place called Acadia in Nova Scotia, a bunch of French people who were known as Acadians were told they had to leave because they wouldn't swear allegiance to the King of England, they would only swear at him. And when they wouldn't leave readily, they picked him up bodily and moved him out, put him on ships and sent them south. And some of them landed in the Carolinas and Virginia and Georgia coast and northern Florida, but most of them had sense enough to go all the way around Florida and come to South Louisiana. And I've heard more wonderful stories than anybody alive, Cajun stories, that is. We got a town down in South Louisiana named how you call Lafayette. And the engineer would lay Lafayette out was drunk for eight weeks before he <laughs> drove the first line. Ah, guarantee. It's the only town in the new SNA where you can get in your automobile and get lost in one block. <laughs> and I never will forget the first time I brought myself to Lafayette. I'm so lost, I don't know where I'm lost from. And that's bad, you hear? <laughs> and I come to a crossing road I found out later named the Four Corner. And I pulled my car to a dead still, and I see a little boy standing on the side of the road, and I say, son, brought yourself here. I want to ask you something. He said, what that is? I said, can you tell me where this road on the right hand would took me if I got on that hand? He said, mister, I hate to tell you, but me, I don't know. I said, how about this road on the left hand? Can you tell where that road would took me if I got on that hand? He said, again, I hate to tell you, but me, I don't know that too, no. I said, son, how about this road right straight ahead like I'm looking? Can you tell me where that road would took me if I stayed just like that, huh? He said, broke my heart to tell you this. But me, I don't know that too, no. I said, son, I ain't gonna did it, but suppose I turn around and go just like I come from. <laughs> Can you tell me where that road would took me if I do that, huh? I was kind of lost my patience, you know. He say, on the ground is my heart broken one million piece. It's broke so bad. But me, I don't know that too, no. I say, son, you don't know a damn thing. He said, that's right, but I ain't lost, no. <laughs> and now well forgot one time I had to brought myself to a big town. And I go up to the desk where they got a clerk behind there, you know, in the hotels. And I say, my friend, I got a reserve here. He say, what's your name? I say, front name or behind name? He say, bought name, and I told him. He say, how you spell that? Because he don't understood them good English, you know. And I spell it for him, and I'm so proud because I just learned how to did that, you know. He say, let me look on the book. And he got a book, and he thumbed through it real fast. He said, I don't see your name. I said, well, slow yourself down. How are you going to look that fast? <laughs> I said, let's start this thing over and I'll be glad to help you look. He said, okay. 
And he start over and turn one page. I say, stop yourself right there. There's my name. He say, that's right, but you got to wrote your name on the register. I say, put him out here. And he put him out there, and I'm printing my name real careful because some people can read reading, but they can't read writing. You know how that is. <laughs> and just when I get through, the biggest doggone bed bug I never see again in my life walk right across my name. Oh, that put me hot, yeah. Oh, guarantee. And I back up four or three steps and I say, my friend, look, I want to told you something. I've been bit by the flea in Shreveport, Louisiana, and bled by the spider in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and chased by the policemen in New Orleans. But that's the first time I ever had a bed bug look up my room number in my life, I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> I got a friend who lived down in a little town in South Louisiana named Rain. And one day he brought himself to town. He got a great big package tie on his chest and I asked him, I said, what that is you got tie on your chest, huh? He said, dynamite. I said, what in the world do you do with dynamite tie on your chest? He said, you know Hemiel Boudreau? I said, oh yeah, I know that Cajun ain't good. He said, well, every time I brought myself to town, he walk up to me and wham! hit me on the chest like that and broke every cigar what I got in my pocket. And me, I'm gonna blow his damn hand off, I guarantee. <laughs> you know, ladies and gentlemen, down in South Louisiana, we used to have a best ball league called the Evangeline Best Ball League. And when they start that league back there in the late 20 and early 30s, it was known as the Hot Pepper League, and that's just what it was. Them Cajun took that baseball real serial, I'll guarantee. And they would bet their house and their wife and their children on ordinary game. And when they got that thing, how you call a playoff, oh my. Bed the house, the wife, the children, milk and cow, crawling tractor, T Model A Ford, chicken, dog, everything what they got. And I never will forget Rain and Lafayette got to play the playoff. And Rain win one game, and Lafayette come right behind, they win one game, tie, tie. And they go to Rain for the third game, and everybody bring their own Coca Cola bottle just in case they could not get one, you know. And Rain make one run, and Lafayette come right behind him, make one run, tie, tie some more, one game piece each, one run piece each, tight, oh man. And Rain's at bat, and Lafayette's in the field, and the fella at bat for Rain's a great big man, six feet four, bat left-handed, weigh 130 pounds. <laughs> and the catching man for Lafayette would catch them ball and strike what the pitching man chunk with him, you know. He's another great big man. He's six feet five, weigh 135 pounds. <laughs> and the empire, you know, the man would call the ball and strike behind the catching man. He weighed 98 pounds, dripping wet with sweat with 12 bottles of pop with foam on top inside. <laughs> and the count on this man at bat for rain is one strike and one ball, tie, tie some more. Who is tight, you hear? And that old mean pitcher from Lafayette, he don't give a damn him how tight everything. <laughs> and shoom, he grooved the left-hand corner of that plate, and that little empire put both hands behind him, and back up four or three steps, and he bellowed real loud, two! 
The man with the bat on his left shoulder take it off and put it on his right, and that catching man jump up, throw his mask down in the dust, and raise a big cloud of dust. And they both getting right in little empire's face so close he can't hardly breathe. And they both saying the same breathe. Do what? <laughs> he said, too damn close to call, I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> And not uh, but a couple of years ago down in South Louisiana, there was a teacher with whole class with her cheering, you know? And she would ask this little boy a question, and that little girl, and that little girl, and this little boy. Then she come to little Tijon, and she say, Tijon, who signed the Declaration of Independence, huh? Tijon stand himself up real careful. Look her right on the eye with both eyes. He said, teacher, me? I don't know. And that ain't all, I don't give a damn, do. <laughs> She said, I don't like that kind of foolish, but no. You just took yourself home and get your papa to brought himself to school with you tomorrow because I don't like that. He said, okay. The next day, he get his papa to brought himself with him to school, and the teacher told the old man, she said, stood in the back of the room and make like you ain't chair. I'm going to show you just what take place. So she go through the same thing. She asked this little boy and that little girl and that little girl and this little boy. And she come to Tijon, she said, Tijon. Who signed the Declaration of Independence, huh? He stand himself up real careful. Look right on the eye and he say, Teacher, just like yesterday. Me, I don't know. And that ain't all I still don't give a damn. She told his papa, she said, take him out in that cloak hall and talk with him because I don't like that kind of foolishness and talk with him good. So his papa brought him out into the cloak hall and he said, Son, look, you know your mama don't got much education, no. And me, I ain't got that much. <laughs> and when you get yourself in trouble, you got to get yourself out the best way you can. Now, if you sign that damn paper, you go in there and told that teacher, you hear? <laughs> Not long ago, I got a friend what was up north, way up north, around Shreveport. And he was in his automobile, and he rolled off one of them deep hills and turned over about eight or seven times. And he crawled out of that car and staggered around a little bit, and the policemen walk up to him and say, Look, are you drunk, huh? He said, Hell yeah, you don't taught him one of them reckless driver, do you? I can't help but thought about that friend with me would live in Opelousas. And he go to Detroit, Michigan. How he find that place, I don't know. <laughs> and he get a job up there with the automobile transport people, you know? That's those uh, big trailing truck would bring all those brand new automobiles down south. And he get the job with the understood that every two weeks he gonna get to go through Opelousas on the way to Beaumont and Houston taxi. And he can see his wife and all his children, what he's got there. Well, they forgot to took into consider they got to unlearn him how to drive Cajun style. That take two weeks. Then they got to learn him how to drive Yankee style, that's two more weeks. In the first trip, what he got from Detroit is to Miami, Florida. Not to Beaumont and Houston, no. And he wear out four road maps trying to figure a shortcut through Opelousas, but he don't make it. <laughs> 
And when he get back, it's been six weeks since he's been home, and he's mad. Just mad like hell, I'll guarantee. And he walk up to that man, he say, how come you done told me that damn lie, huh? Man say, which one? <laughs> he say, you know which one. You told me every two weeks I'm gonna get to go through Opelous on the way to Beaumont and Houston with all these brand new cataract automobiles. It's been six weeks since I've been home and them children liable to ask their mama who that man and she may not know and that's bad. <laughs> well, the man say, I'm so sorry. And he, he sorry. I'm so sorry about that and I'm so sorry too that you didn't brought yourself back more early because I got a trip what's gonna left in two hours. I know you're too tired I took that out. He said, who say I'm tired? Me, I'm in good shape. Oh, guarantee. Well, this man feel real sorry with him. He said, okay. Go get yourself about 40 wink and brought yourself back and you took this trailing truckload of brand new cataract automobile right to the Beaumont taxi. So he go get 22 wink because he don't want to miss a damn thing, you know? And he get back there and he get on that trailing truck. He say, Opelousas, here I come. Whoo, boy! Well, lady, I know you're going to be glad to see me, yeah. And he does just fine. Till he get about 40 miles from Opelousas, 10 p.m. in the night time. And the headlight on that old trailing truck go flickety, flickety, flick, and they flick plumb out. And he pull on the side and come to a dead still. And walk across the road and look at that truckload of brand new automobile. And he talk with himself. He look at that. This Cajun snake bit by a whole basket full of snake. Oh, again, Ron T. I can't stood this. And he noticed that that top automobile is faced the same way with him, you know? He said, let me see. And he run back across the road and climb up there and he turned them headlight on and hell, he didn't see for a mile and a half down the road. He said, oh, man. He get back in that trailing truck, he say, Opelousas, here I come. Whoo, boy! He's not going very far before he meet an automobile brought itself up the road. Then get about a half mile from him and leave the road boogity, 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 across the cow pasture, you know. And he pull his truck to a dead still and reach down and pull the emergency broke so it won't roll, you know. And he run across the road, run across the cow pasture, and he holler at the man, you hurt my friend? Fella say, no. He say, what's the matter? You got a blowing out? He say, nothing blowing. He say, oh, you steering? He say, nothing quit steering, too. He say, well, what the hell happened then? Well, I say, well, it's like this. Me, I was brought myself up them road, and you, you was brought yourself down, and me, I figure if you half as wide as you is tall, I better give you plenty of room, I guarantee you that. <laughs> Not long ago here in Baton Rouge, the policeman get a call from an old maid female lady, and she say, brought yourself and quick. They say, how come? She said, there's a man next door to my house that was indecent exposing himself, and I don't like that some at all. So they send one of them petroleum car right now with the syringe full blast. And they get there and the policeman knock, knock, knock on the door and the old maid female lady at the door and she said, brought yourself with me. And he follow her into her bedroom and she point next door. She said, look at that. Don't that a shame. A man in decent exposing himself to a maiden female lady women like me. And the policeman look over there and there's a man in his bedroom shave himself. And he got one of them high windows that hit him right about on the shoulder, you know. 
He said, lady, look, I can't took that man downtown for indecent exposure himself. All I can see is his head, neck, and shoulder. I can't took him downtown for that. She said, stood up on this box over here, get a much more better view, I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> you know, down in South Louisiana, we try to taught our children how to hunt when they're real young. And I got a friend who's got a little boy children not quite tanned. And he told him one day, he said, son, it's time for you to learn how to hunt them duck. And I'm going to get the very best to show you how that's did, and that's me. But it don't did some good to find them duck if you don't know how to shot that. And I'm going to get the very best shot to show you how that's did too, and that's me. And tomorrow morning, we're going out and get them duck. He said, okay, papa. Well, the next morning, they go out and they get in the pirogue boat, you know. And they go to the blind, and the old man stake both ends of that pirogue boat out in case somebody shoots straight up, and you better did that. Because if you don't, kajom, she gonna turn over. And he told his little boy people, he said, sit yourself down there with that aromatic shoot gun, what you got. Now, aromatic shoot gun, that's a once-hole gun. What shoot three-time hand running from the same hole if the game wasn't there, and if he ain't there, he'll shoot five times right from the same place, you know? <laughs> He says, sit yourself down and be quiet. When some of them duck come up close, I'm going to call them and put them right down in front. And I'm going to show you how to shot that with this twice-barrel carabine, what I got. That's a two-hole gun. But it's not long before you come two duck by themselves. And the old man call them up. <laughs> and he put them right down in front, you know. And he raise up with that twice-barrel carabine. Kabloom, kabloom. And them duck just get up and fly off. He says, son, you just don't know you how glad me I am that you brought yourself with me today. I'll guarantee. Oh. Some people live to be 110 and don't get to see what you a little bitty people's not yet tan already see today. Most people live all their life and don't get to see a miracles. And here you a little bitty boy people's already see a miracles today. Little boy say, what miracles you talk about, huh, Papa? He said, what miracles I'm talking about? I'm talking about the miracles of them two dead duck get up and fly off like that. <laughs> and I never will forget that friend with me was got his little boy cheering about 10 or 9 year old. And you know how cheering loved to lay on his stomach and read the funny paper on Sunday. And this little boy cheering would lay on his stomach and read that funny paper. And he look up at his papa and he said, Papa, what a sweater girl is, huh? Well, that kind of take the old man from behind. A little boy asks a question like that. Ha, <laughs> I told you for sure. And he stumbled and stuttered around, tried to talk to him and answer. And after a while, he says, son, a sweater girl, that's the girl would work in a sweater factory. Where in the world did you get a question like that, huh? The little boy said, that's all right. Where in the world I got a question like that? Where in the hell did you get an answer like that? <laughs> you know, I got a friend was got a big furniture store down in South Louisiana. And he got furniture for everything. It don't made some different. What you got, he can fix that up. You got a house, he fix you up. You got a boat, hell, he'll fix that. You got a houseboat, he can fix that too. And every year he go to Chicago to that big convention, how he called the Furniture Mart. And a couple of years ago, he got a whole bunch of us boys together, and he said, look, 
I want to tell you about my trip up to that big convention, how you call the furniture mark. He said, there's furniture people's there from all over the new S&A and the world, too. And I pass pleasure, whoo, I mean. <laughs> and that ain't all, I got some fun, too, you hear? He said, you know, I get on the alligator in that big hotel where I'm staying there. And there's a female woman on the alligator, whoo, man. You should see that. I look her up one side and it looks so damn good, I look her right down the same side, you hear? <laughs> And I'm bashful like all us kids, and it take me 10 seconds to say, Honey, how come you and me don't get a cocktail, huh? And she don't understood that good English. <laughs> and she answered me in French, and I don't understood that French, because it's Paris French. And I try to talk with her in some French, what I know, and it don't did some good. But me, I got determined. I want to get a cocktail with them female women. So I get a pad with a pencil from my pocket and I draw a cocktail glass and I pass it on her face and she casts her eye, say, ah, oh, we oui. I said, alone, let's go and right now. And we go get that cocktail and maybe 11 or 10 just like that. And I look her up that other side then, just as good. And I say, honey, let's go get some supper, huh? She don't understood nothing. So I reach in my pocket and I grabbed them pads and pencil and I draw two people set up to a table and some dish with smoke and I pass it on her face and she casts her eye real good and say, ah, we are said alone. Let's go and right now. And we go eat them supper. And I can tell the way that female women moved that she got graceful like hell, you hear? And I say, honey, let's go dance, huh? She don't understood a thing. So I reach in my pocket and I grab them pad with them pencil and draw two people up close with dance. And I pass it on her face, and she casts her eye real good, and I and say, ah, we, oui. I said, alone. Let's go and rat this minute. And we go dance till 5 or 4 a.m. o'clock in the morning. And me, I'm a southern gentleman. I'm bring her right back to them hotel, get right on that alligator with her, go right to that door, on her floor. She pass her key with me. I'm open them door, pass them key back with her. I'm trying to tell her good night. She don't understood a damn thing. And she reached in my pocket and she grabbed my pad with my pencils. And she draw the most beautiful antique bed I'll never see again in my life. I'll guarantee you that. And I'm still trying to figure out how the hell she know I'm in the furniture business. <laughs> I got a friend that got a bar room in South Louisiana named Isidore. And Isidore don't fix that place some at all. And one day, a Cajun walked in there named Trahon. And he said, good morning, Isidore. How you are today, huh? Oh, he said, just fine, and you? Oh, he said, I feel real good. It always made my heart feel good to see my friend do well with life and fix the place up like you got this barroom fixed up now. They don't say, what's the matter with you? Drunk already? It ain't nine o'clock in the morning? What you mean fix up? I ain't done something to this place in the last 17 years. Rohan said, look, you mean they told me you don't notice you got four doors here instead of two, huh? His door say, look, they ain't but the front door and the behind door. That's only two doors in this place. 
And Strong said, look, I'll bet you $20 you got four doors. He said, put your money and show them door. He said, okay, that's the front door, that's one, huh? He said, yeah. He said, that's the behind door, that's two, huh? He said, yeah. And he said, what's your name? He said, everybody know my name, it's Isidore. He said, don't that another door? He said, I never thought about that. But where that fort? And he said, you see that cusper door right now? It makes four door, huh? They don't say you don't win your money fair and square. But you wait until Boudreaux brought himself in here, I'm gonna get my money back. <laughs> about 30 minutes, here come Boudreaux for that morning pickup, you know? No, they don't say, come as you are, how you are? I'm glad for you to see me this morning, I'll guarantee Boudreaux. Boudreaux say, I'm all right, what's the matter with you? You never cheerful like that? Oh, he said, make a man feel good to fix his place all up like I got this place fixed up now, I'll guarantee. Boudreaux said, look, you still got the same bottle behind the bar. You ain't done something to this place at all that I know of. He said, oh, say, you mean they told me you don't notice I got four doors here now instead of two, huh? Boudreaux said, look, you ain't got but two, the front door and the behind door, that's all. He said, look, I'll bet you $20 I got four doors here. Boudreaux said, put your money and show them door, and they put them on. He said, oh, say, that's the front door, that's one, huh? Boudreaux said, yeah, that's one. That is behind door, that's two, huh? He said, yeah, that's two. And he said, what's my name? He said, you know your name. He said, I know that, but told me. He said, here's a door. He said, don't that another door? He said, that's right. That's three. And where did the fourth one? And old Isidore pointed and he said, you see that, um, you see that, um, that damn spittoon's cost me $40 already today. <laughs> You know, ladies and gentlemen, we got a place not far from here, how we call False Rivers, and I got two Cajun friends that several years back go on a duck hunt. And one of them was told me all about that. He said, you know, we go over there and we rent one of them cabins what they got for a dollar and a half. That's before Truman and Roosevelt, I'll guarantee you that. And we put ourselves in bed about 7 p.m. in the evening because we want to be sure we get up the first time dawn, make a little crack, so we can get them duck. And the first time dawn, make a little bit of crack, we go out there and cast our eye on that lake and she's black with duck, I guarantee. And we go back in the house and I get my twice belt carabine and Jean-Baptiste, he get his automatic shoot gun. And we go out there and we get on our belly just like a alligator, you know? And we crawl to this little patch of grasses and make like we're high, and that little patch of grasses and make like we're high, and this little patch and that little patch. And we get close, close, close on them duck. Now I'm raised that twice barrel carabine, gonna get at least a hundred the first shoot because they sit so quiet out there, you know? And when I do that, the sky get black with duck. Not even my pull do is left on the lake, and that put me hot. And Jean Baptiste, he lost his temper plum. I said, don't lose your temper. He said, I don't lose it. I said, don't you see them cow eat those water lilies down there on the edge of that lake, huh? He said, but I ain't no cow. I said, but you going to be one. I said, you notice him duck ain't scared for that cow, and you going to be a cow. He said, how I'm going to did that? I said, we're going to Baton Rouge, to the slaughtering house, how you call the abattoir, and we're going to get a cow hide for four bit, 50 cents. 
We're gonna brought ourselves back here tonight, get them same cabin, and tomorrow morning we're gonna get up and get them duck inside that caja. He say, let's go. That's what we do. We come to Baton Rouge, we get a cowhide for 50 cents, we go back, get them same cabin for another dollar and a half. And we put ourselves in bed 4.30 in the evening because we want to be damn sure we get up when it looked like dawn, make a little bit of crack, you know? And we do that and look down at the lake and she's black, black, black with ducks some more. Oh, again, wrong deep. We go back in the house and I get my twice barrel carabine, Jean-Baptiste get his automatic shoot gone. And we get that cowhide, and we get on the front, and we get on the cowhide. Me, I'm the front, Jean-Baptiste, he's the behind. We go to this little patch of grass and make like we eat, that little patch of grass and make like we eat, and this little patch, and that little patch. Look just like a cow, I'll guarantee. And we get close, 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 close on them ducks. And I'm raising that twice barrel carabine, going to get at least 200 to first shoot because they sit so quiet, I'm going to use both barrels. And just when I do that, Jean-Baptiste beat me on my back. I say, man, raise your gun and shoot. Do not you see all them duck out there on that lake? He say, forget about the duck. Here comes the bull. Now, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's always a pleasure to tell people Cajun stories, to people like you, that is, because I believe that you enjoy them. But I'm a safety man, you can look at me and tell that. I wear both a belt and suspenders, I don't take a chance. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, you notice when I was telling you these Cajun stories, I used a few hells and damn. Well, Cajuns talk like that. And they mean nothing in the world by it. They're just mild expletives to it. When I started out talking to you today, I remarked that I came here for two reasons. One was to make you laugh by telling you a few Cajun stories, and the other, Say something serious to you if I thought of anything. I did not come here to offend anyone in any way, shape, or form. And I know that I might have done it by my use of these little mild expletives. And that's what us Cajuns think they are. I even use them when I talk seriously sometimes because the two greatest Americans I ever knew, my late father and the late Will Rogers, told me that the best exclamation point that they knew of was a real good hell or a damn every now and then. But I know that in so doing, and using them as I do in Cajun stories, you know, there are a lot of other wonderful words that these Cajuns use that I've learned to delete from my vocabulary. I want you to know that. <laughs> but I know in using these two little mild expletives, I may have offended someone, and I certainly didn't come here to do that. So if I offended any of you in any way, shape, or form, I want you to know I'm infinitely sorry, and I apologize to anyone who's offended from the bottom of my heart. Doesn't that sound nice? Actually, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Take care. Be humble and don't stumble. Au revoir. Bonsoir. <laughs>